this idea, this mentality of we'll get there from here, right? We don't know how we're going to get there, but we kind of know the end point and operating like, we're going to figure it out. We'll get there from here. And uh, it might go differently than we expected, but we'll make it happen. What's up, guys? My name is Tucker Bierman. I'm part owner of Refined Talent Design located in Wilmington, North Carolina. We are a multi-million dollar small business that is learning and growing as we go. We started the Refining Exchange podcast in order to learn from other small business owners and leaders that have paved the way before us. All right. So we are lucky enough to be chatting with Rick Meyer. Super excited about this conversation. Rick, before I hand it over to you, I'll just tell you in talking to my dad, you're one of the guys that he admires the most, just from obviously the faith aspect um, to which you run your business, but also things that you've built within your business from infrastructure and teams and stuff like that. So really, really excited to, to have this conversation. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited to just share and talk and all I feel like all rising tide raises all ships. And so it's good to, good to chat it out. Yeah, for sure, man. So let's start, let's kick it off with just talking about, I know you're second generation in your business, many of the, the people that I work with and, and hang around. So tell us a little bit about your business, how it got started and kind of how you grew up into it. Yeah. My dad and uncle started in 78. They were working for another uh, guy doing carpentry work. And then they thought, looked at each other and said, well, why can't we just do this ourselves? Why, you know, we're doing all the work and this guy's just connecting us to people then paying us so they they took a leap and went on their own and started Meyer Brothers Carpenters and it was just the two of them a couple years later their other brother joined them after leaving the seminary then they slowly grew over time the core of who we are is is kind of carpentry and that Mm -hmm. skill and then but grew into kind of more larger projects larger projects and more general contracting Um, always kept carpentry kind of at our core I went to school for architecture at Ball State University, graduated in 2003, moved out to Portland, Oregon to pursue a a gal, my now wife. It's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It is awesome. (laughs) Um, And I worked with a couple people out there, had some really great experience, traveled abroad for a year. That's something my wife and I wanted to do. And so we were able to do that. And then after that, moved back to Ohio a little bit begrudgingly. Thought we'd be here for a couple of years. So I just said, hey, dad, I need a job. So I came back. Long story short, you start to put roots down. I became licensed. We went design build Mm -hmm. in our company, you know, really found that if we could design things in-house and build them in the residential world, there's just such seamlessness there. And Mm -hmm. so that's been a huge niche for us. We designed about half of what we build. And now we've just grown over the years. We've got a really great team of architects. We've got some other designers, project managers. We do a lot of custom cabinetry. We've got our own custom cabinet shop. And then we have our field staff that executes mostly rough and finished carpentry and painting. So it's a little bit about who we are. So, you know, we're a business of about 23, 24 been around since 78. So kind of that small, mid-sized business. So dealing with a lot of different things these days and well, especially these days, but all days of just what it looks like to, to run a business. Yeah. Dang. That's gosh, you got a lot going on, man. I'm sure you have a lot of teams kind of intertwined in that question. How involved is your dad still? Are they still involved at all? Did they pass it on to you guys completely or? They're pretty much not involved at all. They'll help here and there with you know, hey, come make a delivery or, hey, go do this. Because, you know, they like to just to kind of be on the periphery. But from a business side and all that, they're completely out, been out of that for about five years now. 
Gotcha. I know my dad has these conversations. I'm the son that has not come back. So I can relate to the first part of your story, not the second. My brother, I don't know if you've met Dakota yet. He's obviously come back. And then my sister, Ellie, started working with my dad, Jerry, as well. How was that? And this is kind of a little off topic, but pertinent too, because I have some friends down here that are, you know, succession planning and, and having those conversations. How was that transition between, you know, your dad the owners then to you and then you own it by yourself now or myself and my cousin Joey who is the son of Joe the original founder and then we also a friend of mine actually from college I uh, got to move to town and, and join our team so three of us that's awesome so how yeah how was that and I'm sure there's we could probably talk only about this but just to highlight like how was that transition easy for you guys was it hard was it smooth how did that go I would say it went terribly oh good <laughs> and not because I would say of anyone's specific faults. I think we all, you know, trying to do some things that other people didn't like, but I was, you know, always 100% in on the business. And then just, uh, you know, initially there was just going to be Joey and myself, but then again, my friend from college wanted to bring him on board. And so there's just a lot of unknowns, a lot of, first it went well, but then it just kind of exploded. Yeah. But the good news is, is that we've ended really well. It was a really hard transition. First generation to second generation is really tough. Like your father, I feel like first gen business owners, it's their baby. Mm. It's, it's like my dad had five kids, me, my brother, my two sisters in the business. And he didn't have the skills, nor did I or anybody to be able to navigate what that looked like. So mm. it was, it was really tough, but we sunk to the bottom and then we all kind of kept at it and then try to keep communicating and and we worked through it and being on the other side of it we've learned a ton yeah that's really good I think um and that can relate to more than just a session planning I can think of a few things right now that you know I'm like gosh this isn't going well but I'm trying to keep forefront of my mind like hey and you said this I don't know if you say this a lot, but it resonated like, hey, I, we landed well. You know what I mean? Like everything worked out to where we could pick up the pieces and get going again. I really like that. That's cool. Real quick, through that whole process, I tell your dad this a lot and he always repeats it back to me, is like this idea, this mentality of we'll get there from here, right? Yeah. We don't know how we're going to get there, but we kind of know the end point and operating like we're going to figure it out. We'll get there from here. And uh, it might go differently than we expected, but we'll make it happen. And yeah, to your point, all is well and ends well. So that's really good. So obviously you talked in the beginning about kind of where you guys are now and, and the successes that you guys have had. I'll take you back to, you know, kind of the first couple of years as you were running the business. What were some of the anxieties, you know, for me, as I took ownership of something, the weight that kind of came on to me was different. You know, people talked about that before I'd hear business owners or my dad, you know, say the weight of owning something. What, what were some of the emotions, the anxieties that you faced when you owned the business? You know, how did you, you know, handle those and, and what did those feel like? A lot of prayer and meditation. That's That's how I am. <laughs> and you're young. And so I feel like at least for me, I had this young mentality of, oh, I can do anything, right? Real, I didn't really see the problems or potential pitfalls, like, oh, I can just do whatever. And so my youth just kind of power me through, but then as the years have gone by. So initially, I think I was very op optimistic. I could do this, not a problem. I've had enough experience and I feel like I got enough people around me. And also, you know, running it with my 
two partners, you know, I feel like we, we can figure it out. We're capable enough to. And just realizing, you know, ever since then, I guess our kind of mentality is, well, there's going to be problems, issues, difficulties that come up that are surprises all the time. For example, we just had one of our best project managers give us two weeks and we did not see that coming. So we're like, okay, well, maybe the obstacle is the way and how do we pivot? How do we adjust? And there's this idea of a stimulus and a response and what you do in between really matters. And so stimulus being you want your best PMs quit. How can we pause, reflect, look at the big picture, strategize, not freak out, realize we'll get there from here and then make a plan and go forward and try to execute that. So I try to really not get too worked up because that never seems to help anybody, including myself. In full transparency, I've, I've developed a little bit of some health issues with stress early on because I internalized it a lot and I didn't work through it in a healthy way. But what that did is that helped me be like, okay, I can't, I got to work through it, address things in a way that is healthy and slow and calm, you know, project calm to other people. And that hopefully will project back on the myself or reflect back on myself. So a lot of those strategies have helped manage that, that weight because it, it is a weight and you don't know it until you're the one. Because at the end of the day, when you own a business, it stops with you, right? Mm-hmm. Your guys in the field can be like, oh, I got this problem. Now it's your problem. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I quit. And so you, you deal with that. So all these things as the owner, you're the end of the line. And so you just kind of come to a point where we're going to figure it out. Like I said, I got a good team. We'll get there from here. That's really good. And kind of touching on that, because I think I know the answer to this is you have a group of guys and and gals in your corner too, right? Obviously family, I'm sure, and friends and community. So you with my dad, you guys have a business group or groups, right? That you connect with, that you can kind of talk, get encouragement, get advice from. Is that right? That is right. And it's, and it's so helpful. Yeah, like this morning we met, we meet weekly and it's a, a, a group of other uh, business owners and leaders and, and, you know, whether it's a sole proprietor or a, a business of our size or, you know, small, big, whatever. And so it's just good to just vent, to encourage, to provide insight. I've learned a lot from your dad, both in what to do and what not to do. You know, I remember one time he's like, yeah, the, you know, Department of Labor just audited us and this happened. And I'm like, we don't do that. Crap. Yeah. Like we need to, we need to adjust what we're doing. So it's just, it's a great opportunity to learn and grow together, to share not just practical wisdom, but mm-hmm. just a mentality of like, I see you, I know you, we know this is hard and we're in this together. So that kind of camaraderie is, is helpful. Yeah, you don't feel alone, right? I think that's what my dad has said to me is, right? You don't want to ever get to a point where you feel alone in it. And I think it's like you're saying, it's easy to get into that place. So the tactical stuff is good. And and then the emotional support is pretty great too. So now getting into the kind of the business piece of this, talk to me about some of the things you did to really build the business in the beginning, whether it be hiring people, implementing systems, you know, what were some of the things that you were like, hellbent on right away when you started taking over? I didn't have a vision for like, this is what the business needs to look like. What I've learned about myself is I essentially just solve problems. Mm-hmm. As an architect, I solve spatial problems. As the business manager, I solve business problems. And so a quick illustration, my dad and my uncle and I, we were the only three people in the office and we had a field staff. 
and my dad and uncle, and I had little to no input on our scheduling. And so my dad and uncle would sit there and argue about, hey, I need Jarl this day. No, I need him this day because this has happened on a project. Well, I need him because last time you took him, it was just kind of chaos. And so I thought, okay, observe and what are possible solutions and systems we can place. So I did a whiteboard and I wrote on it, literally dry erase marker, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on the on the X column, on the Y column was uh, the, our employees, you know, say we had six field guys at the time yeah. and we would block out two weeks at a time. Fast forward 15 years, we have a Google spreadsheet that we have most of the half of next year plan in this spreadsheet that everybody's got access to. It's really just identifying sticking points, identifying mm-hmm. confusion, things that cause tension and what are possible solutions to those things. And then those just evolve over time. And so the inspiration has come from within. It hasn't been like, oh, this person is doing that. I'm going to pull that piece of information and apply it to my business. It was just observing those obstacles within our business and then saying, well, what if we did this, right? And some stuff stuck and some stuff didn't, but the things that stuck, man, we doubled down and just refined processes. So now we just have a ton of processes that we've developed over the last 15 years that have really helped execute things well. Everything from how we schedule our labor Mm -hmm. to how we run projects and how we communicate between, you know, our office design staff with the field staff, with the homeowner. So there's, there's a lot of processes that we've developed that have really streamlined that. So I'm a big process guy, but at the same time, you can't have that whole paralysis by analysis, right? So you don't want to you know, have meetings about the meetings about the meetings, right? You don't have want to have processes. You don't want to over-process because then you just can never get stuff done. And so what is that balance between a good amount of process and a good amount of what the product is? And my mantra through it all is kind of just to keep it simple. The simpler you can have a process, the better off it is. And the more input you can have from other people, especially those that are executing the process, the more it's going to stick. And then you just reinforce and you reinforce and you reinforce. That's really good. Maybe you can help me with this. How much, you know, are you introducing to your team versus you on the back end saying, okay, I'm going to do this process for a month and work through the kinks of it and then introduce it to the team. Do you have like a tactic or like I do follow these five steps when introducing new process? I'm not nearly that smart to have five steps anything, but what I'd, <laughs> what I'd say if I just observe what we've done is I think it is important to have a certain level of the kinks worked out because you don't want to wear out your team through development of processes. Yeah. Because, you know, you have managers, you have technicians, you have people that kind of big picture and then you have people with the small picture. And so you don't want to overwhelm or wear out the guys that are going to be executing this process and just testing it out. And it's like, oh, great, here's another thing. Because then you, you, know, you confuse, you lose, and people get tired, and they, and they stop using it all together. Because it's like, there's yeah. this other process that may or may not work. We try to develop some things and have some real meat on them and functionality, mm-hmm. and then slowly try to roll that out. Again, what I said earlier, then we just try to reinforce it. Here's the process, guys. You know, Joe had this idea, so we did that. And, you know, Tim had this idea, so we adjusted that. But at the end of the day, this is the core process. And that's what we need to keep bringing people back to and and reinforcing that that is where we need to take people. And that's what we need to keep doing. That's really good, Rick. What are you guys right now? Do you guys feel like you're in a a season of creating sustainability with your business? Are you trying to scale? What are your like, quote unquote, goals at this point for the business? 
So we've never wanted, well, maybe that's not true. Part of me initially wanted to scale for scale's sake, but as I've grown, the rate at which we scale is directly proportionate to two things. One, our clientele, and two, our ability to perform. So that would be our team. So our clientele and our team. As the market conditions are today, our clientele is in some ways demanding us to grow because they want more of us, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to grow as our clientele wants us to grow and demands of us to grow, but that can only grow as fast as our good team. We never want to grow for grow's sake. We have found that it's just hard to find the right people. And as the old saying goes is, I'm going to quote somebody, I forget who it was, but essentially getting the right people on the bus. And once you have the right people on the bus, you got to make sure they're in the right seat on the bus. Sometimes you just can't find the right person. And so how do you adjust in order to compensate until something comes along? You know, we've had a lot of ideal positions we've wanted to fill Mm -hmm. and we just can't find that kind of unicorn. And so we, well, but we got this person over here and they can do this. And so, okay, well, let's just shift things a bit to utilize this person's strength and then kind of balance out the whole. Right now, well, I would say we were in a really good position until our PM just recently resigned. We felt pretty balanced from an office and a field standpoint. We felt like we were able to handle the sales flow and the execution. We're hoping to refill that position. We're going to try to start to do that from within and without. So how can we try to just throw a role out there and try to fulfill that through people outside of our sphere of influence? And then how do we also try to do that with, with internally? You know, how can mm-hmm. we elevate certain people to assume a higher level of responsibility in order to assume the ad- additional work that's created because of this person leaving? So our scale seems to be directly proportioned to those, those two things. And, and it's interesting. We've hired four people this year so far. And at the beginning of this year, I think we wanted to hire one or two. Wow. And so what has happened is we've had people come across our way that says essentially like, hey, I I know you guys, I've seen you for a long time and I'd like to work with you. And we're like, okay, well, we weren't exactly looking for your position, but you seem to be like the the right person to get on the bus. So let's get you on the bus and let's see how it goes. And then we'll we'll figure out, okay, we'll put you in this seat and we might move you up a seat or back a seat, depending on how the next three, six months go, but we just know you're the right person. So those two things, clientele, the demand for work, and then having the right people come on board, that's really what fuels our growth. I really, really like that because I think that's something that especially you know entrepreneurs uh, that are so busy get caught up with is like, hey, we're only going to hire people when we have this position posted and we have this need. And I've kind of gone counter to that. It sounds like you are too, is like, I want to hire great people all the time. Obviously, there's a limit to that, right? Depending upon where our business is at. But at the same time, if they're great people, they match our culture and they can add value in one or two ways. I mean, how do you say no to that? Yeah, I, I agree thoroughly. And and part of, I think, we're, how we arrived there is because we had a family business. And so it's like, okay, well, Joey just graduated high school and needs a job. What's Joey like to do? Joey likes mm-hmm. likes the finer cabinetry things. Okay, so all of a sudden we start making our own cabinets. Uh, Drew needs a job. Well, what do you want to do, Drew? Well, I kind of like to paint. Okay, well, let's start a painting division of our company. I come on board. I'm not a, a field carpenter. I can fake it, but that's not my gift. But I, you know, I'm an yeah. architect, so let's go design build. And so our growth has literally come about because of our people and the way that our company is formed over time mm-hmm. and grown 
and the, the, our unique value proposition is literally directly related to the people that come our way. And a lot of times that's been family. Yeah. Gosh, that's good. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. This is kind of like, you know, to bring it all together for us, just because I'm learning a lot. A lot of the people, you know, I'm talking to and having these conversations with are learning a lot. What are you learning right now as an owner, as a leader of a company, you know, that you wish knew 20 years ago, uh, but you're glad you're learning right now. And, and you guys are having a lot of conversations about. I think a little bit of what I said earlier is expect obstacles, expect things to come your way that you don't like and they're going to be a challenge and they're going to be hard to solve. Then when they come your way, then you're not surprised. You're not angry. You're not overwhelmed. It's just like, well, yeah, this is, this is what we do. We receive these obstacles, problems, and then we, we overcome them. And we have the people and the brain power to, to overcome them. There's always a solution to every problem. Every problem, there's a solution. You might not like the end solution, but there's a solution. So how do we just try to just brainstorm, right? We try to get away. We've implemented EOS into our business, thanks to your dad, which is entrepreneurial operating system, which is just a framework to run a business specifically designed for small to mid-sized businesses. And so we have these rhythms in place. So we have weekly meetings, weekly 90-minute meetings. We have quarterly meetings. We have yearly strategic planning meetings. And so it's this constant connection that we have that's built into our weeks and our months and our years to help strategize and overcome some of these challenges. And some of these challenges need to be met and fixed right away. And that's our weekly meetings. Some of them are observed over longer periods of times. And it's like, as we do our strategic planning meetings, it's like, this is a rock. This is a big thing that we need to focus on over the next quarter and solve this problem. Because it's we have seen over the last two years, two decades, how this has not worked for us. So how can we solve that? So I would say those are a couple things And maybe another one is connect with other business leaders and owners to have that camaraderie. That's really Mm -hmm. helpful and kind of try to relax and and enjoy it, right? Because you're in this position. If you are an owner or a leader of a business, you're in the position and you're there probably because you either have the skill or the desire. And so you can either take that and you can be that guy who's like on fire every day, right? You know, this guy who's like, every day is a problem and they're just scrambling and they're tired and they're overwhelmed. And years of their life yeah. are spent in this hurricane of an environment. And you might have the same person with mm-hmm. the same stimulus, but a different response to all those things. And so that calm, that peace, that mentality of having the right people and the right attitude, you're going to figure it out. And so try to enjoy the joy, the journey and take care of the people that are helping you get there. That's really cool. I appreciate that a ton. I mean, that hopefully, you know, we get a couple of people out there that can can listen to this and and, and appreciate that too. Cause I know there's a lot of people in our position that that struggle with that, myself included some days, a lot of days. So I really appreciate that. And I just want to say thank you to you too, because getting to see my dad and his journey, obviously it's helped me selfishly, but also have really enjoyed watching him grow, connect, learn, you know what I mean? Fight some of the, um, the fires, but also the struggles that, of life that come that are intertwined with business. And he's always spoken very highly of you and appreciative of you. So thank you for that and spending a lot of time and, and giving him a lot of advice and guidance too. 
I'm on the receiving end of that from him. But so it's my pleasure. And it's just good talking to talk to you and, and see what you're doing and to see, you know, how you're trying to uh, to move things along in your corner of the universe, right? I feel like if we can all do whatever we're doing with excellence with the gifts that God has given us and the people that he's placed before us to influence and and help encourage, then you know, we're all gonna get better. So amen to that. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you guys enjoyed, please give us a like or share the Refining Exchange with someone that could find this valuable. We're looking forward to learning and growing with you guys on the next one.